0: Hey, Penn State fans, this is Doug LaMaurice, the co-host of the College Football Playoff Show. This is a bonus episode we're dropping in here for Penn State listeners. We've done it since August, and we do it every Wednesday, free show, every podcast platform for everyone. And we also have a Tuesday show for Apple Podcast listeners, people who subscribe there. But the bottom line is, this is the Wednesday show. It's a bonus episode for you guys to try it out. It would be so appreciative if you gave it a listen. I actually grew up in central Pennsylvania. I worked at the Harrisburg Patriot News as an intern with Bob Flounders and and Dave Jones back in the day. I grew up around Penn State football. So for you guys to give this podcast a chance would be, um, we'd be so grateful. Shahan Haraja is my co-host. He's based out of Texas, a national football writer for CBS Sports. We talk about all the teams in the playoff mix that matter. We try to have a good time. We try to analyze teams in the context of each other and, and not to kiss your butt, but I think Penn State is a team that certainly could be in that conversation with a little bit of better luck, a little bit of uh, better injury luck. I think Penn State looks like a top 10 team to me, and things have not worked out that way. But this is fun. If you care about college football at all, we think you'll like this. We appreciate you giving it a shot. This is the college football playoff show. Welcome to the College Football Playoff Show, where college football playoff contenders earn the right to be discussed, and where the playoff never ends. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan J. Harajah. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. The rankings are actually here. The rankings are actually here. We're recording this about 45 minutes after the final conference call with Playoff Committee chairman, Gary Barta. Shahan and I were both on the call. They didn't call on us. We think on oh, no, us it's a it's a conspiracy, we think, because they know nobody is more hard-hitting than the people here in the college football playoff show. So we're going to talk a lot about the rankings that were released on Tuesday night. Shahan, I, I liked three or four different things the committee did with the rankings, and I hated one thing. What do you think?
1: Ooh, uh, I like... Two things, one of which I'll say is ranking Georgia number one, which is the biggest no-brainer in the world. And I hated almost everything else.
0: Really? Okay. Um, I will say, so we have 11 teams that, as of right now, are in our college football playoff discussion group. And here's where those teams wound up in the initial rankings number one georgia number two alabama number three michigan state number four oregon number five ohio state number six cincinnati number seven michigan number eight oklahoma then we get to number nine wake forest and number 10 notre dame that we don't have in our discussion they are both up to be potentially added we did have number 11 oklahoma state we also have number 16 old miss and number 22 iowa and one of those two number 16 Ole Miss or number 22 Iowa is getting kicked out at the end of this pod because they both suffered their second losses last week. So no surprise about that. But we do have to think about Wake and Notre Dame, not just because of what the committee did, Shahan, but just as we get to this point. And for those of you maybe finding us now for the first time, one of the things we always do is should we vote teams into the discussion? We only talk about the teams that we voted into our own discussion. So, Wake and Notre Dame, when I was going through stuff this week, and you just start thinking about who even still has a chance. Because if you have two losses, you're kind of out. Wake being undefeated and Notre Dame with one loss, at least are on in the handful of 12, 14 teams that are still at least theoretically there, which which made me think maybe they should be in our discussion. Because it's not that many. Anybody with two losses, like I don't, I don't know what you would have to do to get into our discussion at this point, right?
1: Yeah, it would be difficult. I, I mean, I think that there are individual cases where maybe you can see a path with two losses. Uh, like, I think conceivably, if Auburn were to go and beat Alabama and beat Georgia in the SEC title game, like that's maybe a path. But that's probably about the level it would take for, at least for me, to think you have a legitimate shot. We can get into some of the, uh, the surrounding stuff around that in a minute. But, uh, but I think that, especially when you look at Iowa and when you look at uh, Ole Miss, like, it's going to be really tough once you get to two losses.
0: So there, someone's going to leave. We'll get to some of your questions, by the way, also later in the show. 817-442-6789 if you want to be a tech subscriber and get to ask questions of the show. All right, let's do this quickly then. I, I, I gave Wake. And I gave Notre Dame. Let's do Wake first. Undefeated, just beat Duke 45-7. to They are ninth in the actual playoff rankings. Shahan, I asked the texters, should they join our playoff discussion? And the texters said yes, pretty convincingly, 68% to 32%. So I'll put it on you. Do you think Wake should join?
1: I feel like last week I might have mentioned like all right, so Michigan. Michigan State is kind of like this cage match to, or you know, Hunger Games or whatever, where you're putting forth the tributes. Well, I think the ACC just put forth their tribute, and it's Wake Forest. And like you mentioned, they're number nine in the poll. They've been very, they've been very dominant, honestly, this season. Uh, not a great schedule, which is the reason that they're ranked number nine, despite uh, all the wins. But there are a couple of interesting opportunities, notably NC State somehow is ranked in the college football playoff rankings. That's a whole other conversation. But, uh, you know, so they do have an opportunity to pick up a ranked win. They do play at Clemson, at Boston College, at North Carolina, who aren't three awesome teams, but they are teams that, like, are good enough that they'll still be considered, I think, decent wins. Uh, so I think that Wake Forest does deserve at this point to be in our rankings.
0: So the the only caveat to any Wake Forest discussion is, I think if they go 13-0, they're still not getting in. <laughs> There's a very legitimate chance, yes. That they would be behind so many other teams. They're, they are at the bottom, right? I think they would be even behind like 11-1 and Notre Dame potentially. I think they'd certainly be behind undefeated Cincinnati. I think they'd be behind like any one-loss champ of the Big Ten or the Big 12 or if Oregon's a one last champ in the Pac 12, just cause they have nobody that they can beat, but let's still put them in to talk about them, except we'll talk about them, but they have no path. To- <laughs> they have no path to get in. Right. But I
1: think that this is, this is going to be a deal for a lot of these teams. Right. I mean. We don't know right now whether Cincinnati has a path to get in. We don't know right now whether Oklahoma has a path to get in. But I think that what this ranking is about, what this group of teams is about, are teams that, in our opinion, can conceivably have a path to the playoff. It doesn't mean that they're going to do it. It doesn't mean that that path is going to open up. But I think that they conceivably have the path, which is winning the rest of their games and some stuff happening in front of them.
0: I do think Cincinnati, I think, has a significantly better chance than Wake Forest just because of that Notre Dame win. But I'll let him in. I I'm feeling bad you. right
1: now, man. I'm feeling real bad.
0: <laughs> I, like we have a Cincinnati discussion to have. I know. All right. Wake Forest is in. Notre Dame. What do we think about Notre Dame? Kirk Herbstreit on the ESPN broadcast said he thinks Notre Dame's going to run the table, get to 11-1. and They have the loss to Cincinnati, so clearly they would be behind Cincinnati. They would need a lot of stuff to happen. They are – I think ahead of Wake Forest, but they need a lot, but they still have only one loss. And I don't know that there's a very logical loss left on their schedule. The texters say, no, we had Notre Dame in before they lost to Cincinnati. We kicked him out. The texters say, keep them out. 78%. Shahan, what do you say? I'm actually
1: going to say yes. I I think that they have built their way back. I mean, we talked about after the Cincinnati game and after how bad they looked early in the season. This was not a very good football team, but I think that they've kind of found their mojo the last two weeks. Uh, They look pretty good against North Carolina, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Same similar sort of deal. I, I do actually think that Wake Forest has a better path to the playoff than Notre Dame does. But I do think that the fact that Notre Dame's only loss at this point came against a team that will be right in that top five conversation at the end. I, I do think that that's going to give them some leeway. And one thing that you heard uh, in the committee room and, and from uh, from Gary Barda was that they complimented Notre Dame's schedule, which I think only doubles down on this idea that playing a power five team just looks completely different to them than playing even good group of five teams, right? Because they haven't played anybody who's actually that good outside of Wisconsin and Cincinnati, but I think that they're going to treat it differently because they're at least playing quote unquote power five teams.
0: All right. I'll let, I'll let Notre Dame in too. Partly because Notre Dame is so important to Cincinnati. I sort of want to talk about Notre Dame because Notre Dame is Cincinnati's life preserver and the committee did one of those things where, like, Cincinnati's like, hey, could you like give me a hand, pull me up on the boat? And Gary Bart is like shoving their head back in the water. But Cincinnati's still rocking along on that Notre Dame life preserver. So let's talk about Notre Dame in our discussion. We'll put them both in, even though the texture said no on Notre Dame. That brings us to 12 teams for now. But actually, it brings us to 13 teams for now. So we're going to max out at 12 for the first time in a while but we're going to thin out then in the next couple of weeks. We're at 13 right now. We're going to kick somebody out at the end of the show to get back down to 12 because we can't end the show with more than 12. Now let's get down to the brass tacks. Daniel asks from the tech subscription, what stinks the most to you guys? Jahan, what are you the angriest about with this committee right now?
1: <sighs> so I knew that Alabama was going to have a chance to be in the top five despite losing a game against Texas A&M, a Texas A&M team that also lost to Mississippi state. And I knew that they're going to have some implicit credibility. One thing we talked about in the preseason is that Alabama is the team, perhaps with the most implicit credibility of any team in the country, not even perhaps they are, they are the team with the most implicit credibility in the country. And so to a certain extent, it almost doesn't matter what happens on the field because you just kind of assume that Alabama's good, right? And that's kind of how this—I mean, Florida got into the top 10 because they didn't lose that bad to Alabama, and Florida looks like a terrible football team right now. But when it came up and Alabama was the number two team in the poll, it's like, why bother playing football? Because what they've done to this point, they lost to Texas A&M, a team that is perfectly okay perfectly fine they beat mississippi state and they put mississippi state in the rankings for losing to alabama even though mississippi state also has losses to lsu who's terrible and also to memphis who's four and four in the american athletic conference like i i don't know what to do with this information what is this they str- they struggled at times against tennessee they didn't look very good uh against florida like at what point do the games actually matter when you're Alabama? Like like being in the top five, fine. But compare them to a team like Ohio State who has a much better loss and has looked more dominant outside of that. Compare that to a team like Michigan State who didn't play a great schedule up until this past weekend, but then beat a top 10 team and compare them to Cincinnati who has a top 10 win and no losses and really no games that they've really struggled in, in to this point. Like, what are we doing? And the thing that I hate the most about this and it's just the first ranking. I don't want to like lose my mind on November 2nd. There's a lot of football left to happen and Alabama could lose a game uh before the SEC title game. But the thing that I think is concerning to me and the thing that I wanted to ask Gary Barta about that, you know, I didn't get called on was if the committee looks at the field and says, number one is clear. It's Georgia. Number two, Heading into the SEC title game, also very clear, it's Alabama. Does that set up a world where number two Alabama loses to number one Georgia in a close game and the committee decides, oh, well, we shouldn't really ding you for losing to the number one team in the country.
0: You're still in the top four. So this is the entire discussion. This is the discussion for the season. This is the whole deal. I am not surprised. I do think the easiest paths for anybody, right, are... Georgia, Georgia is going to be in. Then you have a one-loss Big Ten champ, whether it's Michigan State or Ohio State or Michigan, right? You have Oklahoma as a undefeated Big Twelve champ. Who they're going to rise in the rankings? They're eighth right now. And we'll get to that, but they're going to rise because their three best potential wins are ahead of them in the last three games of the regular season, and Oregon winning out, right? If all that happens. Then your four playoff teams are going to be Georgia. Alabama goes and loses to Georgia in the SEC title game. It's going to be Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Oregon. Cincinnati needs either Oklahoma or Oregon to slip up because there's enough ways, I think, for a Big Ten, one-loss Big Ten champ to, to be there, right? Or Cincinnati needs like a big upset in the Big Ten championship game. But basically, if those are your assumed four teams, Cincinnati needs one of those things to go wrong for Cincinnati to get in. And I think that was going to be the case almost no matter what, no matter where they were tonight. But now you have set up what if one of those things goes wrong and now Alabama plays a pretty good game against Georgia in the SEC championship game, and now the fourth spot comes down to two loss Alabama and undefeated Cincinnati. With what they did on both ends, Cincinnati six, Alabama two, They set up that conflict, Shahan, and that is a conflict that I have a lot of trouble with because what I was going to ask Gary Barta is you keep saying Cincinnati beat number 10, Notre Dame, and all the rankings we use now are the committee's own rankings. They beat number 10, Notre Dame, and you say, well, who else did they beat? I was going to say Alabama has beaten number 16, Old Miss, and number 17, Mississippi State, a three-loss team that you have ranked 17th. Who else has Alabama beaten? Because five, the other five Alabama wins, none of them are against FBS teams with winning records. So what are we talking about? I think they groupthinked their way into Alabama, too, that somebody had an idea. And the other thing is, it's the metrics love Alabama. I was going to make a little formula, and then the stuff was so off, it wasn't worth it to me. Strength of record, Alabama's four. Game control, Alabama's two. FPI, which is an ESPN thing, Alabama's two. FEI, which is an efficiency metric from Football Outsiders, Alabama's two. And SP Plus from Bill Connolly, Alabama's three. The metrics love Alabama, Shahan, but I don't think people should love them as much as the metrics do. And we know they use metrics. I think they fell in love with the numbers. They got groupthink rolling in the room, and they all decided, ah, it's obvious. Alabama's obviously number two where it's not but it's not obvious to anybody that Alabama's number two except those thirteen people
1: and the thing is right if if you're gonna go in with this idea, well like the numbers love Ohio state too generally, right like they have been one of the most efficient teams in America this year, and on top of that, they have a win over Penn state and they all and their loss is to oregon right so like it's very comparable in that case to where you know Ohio state and Alabama are kind of doing a similar thing, except for that Ohio State has a better loss and Alabama has, you know, a slightly better win, right? So, like, I don't know what the logic is behind this. And the thing is, too, right, because I look at Oregon at four, and it also just feels so much like, well, we really like Ohio State, but we don't quite have enough reason to to flip them with Oregon at this point. So we're going to move Oregon up, even though Oregon lost to Stanford. Right. Like it, it just becomes this circular logic of like, well, these are the teams that we thought were good. So these are the teams that must be good. So these are the teams that we think must be good. So we're going to put these teams high. And the thing is, right? Like just to go back to Cincinnati for a second, one thing that we heard so much, especially in the UCF years, you know, where UCF goes two straight, uh, undefeated regular seasons, which Cincinnati just, you know, accomplished and is poised to accomplish again this year. Right. The thing that we heard is, well, if you want to be in the playoff, you should have scheduled better competition and this year you have a team in cincinnati scheduling an indiana team that came into the year ranked now they have not lived up to expectations but they are a really good team that everybody expected to be a really good win for them and they played notre dame who's been better than we expected being a top 10 team and it doesn't matter right so like this is i mean we've all known forever that half the sport is eliminated from college football playoff contention when the season starts. Uh, first of all, we're, we're learning that with wake forest more than half the sport might be eliminated before the season starts. But the other thing too, is that you're telling 70, 75 football teams that it does not matter how good your football team is. That's irrelevant. We don't care about that. Uh, it's about what, who we think might be good. And so I, I just, at that point, what are we doing here?
0: I do. It's like when I had sort of changed my mind on Cincinnati this year. So I assumed the committee would too. I said, like, it's like, well, I opened my mind. I'm a curmudgeonly old Power Five guy, and I opened my mind to Cincinnati. I thought they would too. It is very hard to wrap your head around the idea that Alabama lost to Texas AM and it doesn't matter. If Alabama was undefeated, they'd also be number two. So they have a loss that doesn't matter, and their best win is Ole Miss. Like, how can that be? How can that be that that's the situation? And they they, they clearly, with Cincinnati, they mentioned it again and again. Cincinnati had been rolling, people. Then two weeks ago, they play Navy. They went by a touchdown. Navy screws up everybody. You come out of Navy bloody and bruised, and it's hard to prepare for them. And Gary Barta even said that on the conference call. Well, we know it's a service academy option team. That's tough. They really are mad about Tulane playing with Cincinnati. They really are mad about it. But it was 31-12. to they did win by three scores in the end. And by the way, you know, who only beat Tulane by five in the opener? Oklahoma. So Tulane's one and seven, but they've kind of played with some good teams. They brought up the Tulane thing again and again. But then I would say again, Florida stinks. Alabama almost lost to Florida. Where's that? But that's it was absolute, absolute groupthink. And either somebody was afraid or unwilling. To put the brakes on it, because having been in that mock selection committee room, I know it's it's not exactly how it works. But you talk, and a smart person with a good opinion can sway the room. And somebody, you needed one out of thirteen people to say, oh, "What are we doing here? What has Alabama really done compared to Cincinnati that has the Notre Dame win? Compared to Michigan State that has the Michigan win? It's their own rankings." Michigan State and Cincinnati have better wins than any Alabama win. And that they put Mississippi State 17th with three losses. And this is the circular logic that kills you, Shahan. By the way, I hope everybody realizes the Wednesday pod now is just shouting. It's just shouting (laughs) about rankings. All that previous football analysis, that's on the Tuesday pod for Apple Podcasts. Get subscribed. 75 cents an episode on Apple Podcasts.
1: We'll, we'll, we'll do some smart stuff here, too. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll still be smart. They smarter.
0: justify ranking Mississippi State 17th with three losses by saying, well, they beat Texas A&M. So beating Texas A&M, the fact that Alabama beat Mississippi State and Mississippi State beat Texas A&M, that's good for Alabama that Mississippi State beat Texas A&M because it justifies Mississippi State and makes their Mississippi State win better. But somehow it does not lessen the Texas A&M loss because they didn't say, you know what? Alabama lost to Texas A&M, and Texas A&M lost to Mississippi State, which actually is the way that I would phrase that little circle. Can you believe Texas A&M lost to this dog team, Mississippi State? Not to be impressed that Mississippi State beat Texas A&M. They chose the way they wanted to view it when you could take the exact same thing and view it 180 degrees. They think that's a good loss to Texas A&M. Right. And this is the thing, right?
1: You can read into these things any way that you want to, right? Because Mississippi State does have some good wins. They did beat Texas A&M. They did beat NC State, which is a win. Shouldn't be a ranked win, in my opinion, but it is a decent win. But the thing with all of this is that Mississippi state also lost to two terrible football teams in Memphis and LSU. So it's kind of what we talked about, uh, you know, last week, I think it was where we're thinking like, Oh, well at its best, you know, this is good at its worst. it's bad. Right. And so, you know, you kind of lean towards being like, well, look at what in Oregon. I think the team was look at what this team was at its best. And for me, I had to point to, well, at its worst, this is a team that loses to Stanford, which isn't a good team. Mississippi State, at its worst, lost to Memphis and to LSU. But Alabama's getting credit for beating Mississippi State, quote-unquote, at its best. And that's how they're being ranked, is how good they might be able to be. And so, again, it, it's like we talk about, a circular logic. And, you know, one other one, too, is that I like Minnesota. I, I think that Minnesota had a legitimate case to be considered for the rankings. But when asked, Gary Barda said, oh, well, the reason that Minnesota is ranked is that they lost their starting running backs, uh, two of them, and they are on a four-game winning streak. And that's nothing. That, that, that's what? I, I, if your wins aren't any good, like, that, doesn't that not matter? Right? Because you know who's on an eight-game winning streak right now? UTSA. like." That didn't matter, and I'm not even saying it should matter. But that's just such a silly way when your wins are over Northwestern, Maryland, Nebraska, and Purdue, right? Like I, I, I
0: don't know what we're trying to do here, right? And well, you were on it because you were on it before the rankings. You said who, what lower ranked team is going to have an inflated ranking in the name of justifying a team above them that beat them. And it happened twice, with Minnesota at 20 helping Ohio State's cause and Mississippi State at 17 helping Alabama's cause. You were all over that before it happened.
1: Yeah, and and this is just something that I feel like we've seen before, right? Because people point to the top of the rankings, and I think at the top of the rankings, other than a case like Alabama, that's just insane. I think that the top 5 to 10 of the rankings tend to be the less interesting parts because I think that the bottom of the rankings, kind of 15 through 25 – is where the committee tries to make their case, per se. This is something that, uh, again, every every uh, playoff story is going to go back to 2014. But uh, in 2014, it was actually that same team, Minnesota, ended up at number 25 in the initial rankings. And that was a credit to both TCU, who played them uh, at the beginning of the season, and also Ohio State, right? That was used as justification for why those teams were ahead of Baylor at the time. And so... That's how they usually do it. And the thing is, right, like those teams at the bottom, they're going to be somewhat interchangeable, but it's more about what it's more about how they're going to use those teams to position other teams. Right. And that's even something that I feel like with Oregon, I, I feel like with Oregon, it's as much positioning Ohio State to be like, well, look how good Ohio State's loss was as it is crediting oregon right because oregon hasn't looked anywhere near that good in any of its other games you and i
0: you and i disagree on oregon so there's a (laughs) there's a two loss alabama point that we want to get into and i want to talk about oregon a little bit more we'll do all of that next on the college football playoff show in case you missed the last college football playoff show caleb williams and the oklahoma sooners are looking like a different team. It is fascinating how they will be viewed because that guy is big, he can move, he can rip it, he looks confident, and they are basically a different team If he is that.
1: I'm not saying that this is not real or that Caleb Williams isn't really good. I think he is really good, but I am not going to decide that because they played well offensively against Texas Tech. If they finish and win all the rest of these games, it's no question that they're in. They're probably the number two overall seed, but I am not going to read too much into Caleb Williams putting up a lot of yards against
0: a not very good team. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts for exclusive college football playoff show bonus episodes. All right, so we do have our shadow rankings. It's Shahan's rankings from before the show, my rankings from before the show, and the combined rankings of the texters. We can do that on our tech subscription. We send you a rank and you slide stuff around. So if you want to be part of that, if you want to be part of our shadow committee, 817-442-6789, Bama number two in the real rankings, our shadow committee had Alabama seventh. And that's because Shahan and I both had Alabama seventh. That's how we thought this was going uh, to, how we would have voted. And I, did I actually think Bama would be seventh? No, but I thought when you start doing some of the justifications they did, when they had Oklahoma eighth, I thought to myself, Alabama's going to be seventh because they are sort of dinging famous teams for not looking that great. And it's like, what has Alabama really done? Which I thought was a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I like the Oklahoma thing. So it's like, all right, well, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, Michigan State beat Michigan, Oregon beat Ohio State. Ohio State actually, I think, has kind of like looked better than Alabama since the loss. So, and then since – I thought that a lot, a lot of that made sense. It's like nine points I want to make. One of the things that Gary Barta talked about, and I want to get into this quickly, as it specifically relates to Oklahoma and Ohio State, and the thing is I don't think this applies to Alabama. When asked about Oklahoma, he definitely said it's funny to hear them talk football because it's like they could just be a podcast host. But it's like, you know, when he's when he's doing Ohio State, he's like, oh, Stroud and Henderson and Olave and Wilson have looked great. And I'm like, all right, you can name four Ohio State players. Congratulations, playoff committee chair. I do the same thing on here. So listen, I mean, you can't know everybody in college football. You start name dropping famous guys. But he said Caleb Williams, at quarterback for Oklahoma. He said not only has it improved the offense, it has a chance to improve the defense and the whole team. He's like anticipating a rise in Oklahoma because they're excited by a freshman quarterback. Oklahoma, big change. Ohio State, big change. It felt like the way he talked about Oklahoma, the committee is into, have you changed for the better? And if you have, we'll take that into consideration. Alabama is the same team that lost to Texas A&M. They weren't missing anybody that night. They haven't done anything differently since they lost that game. They are Alabama. So how come if change matters, and I have a point about Oregon, Alabama hasn't changed. They're into this Caleb Williams thing. I'm very curious. As I like Oklahoma 8, but you could hear how they were setting up an Oklahoma rise based on their tougher last three games and Caleb Williams coming around. No question.
1: And I don't have an issue with that right now in terms of the the change, improving the defense. I didn't realize that Caleb Williams is going to play a cornerback for them, too. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, truly, that's the Heisman favorite. But uh, but, you know, with Oklahoma, like you mentioned, they played number 11, Oklahoma State, number 12, Baylor in the last couple of games. And then they'll get somebody else again on top of Iowa State, who I think will be considered a decent win. Maybe they get in at like 25 at some point in the rankings like you you know that they're like you mentioned their path is in front of them playing two top 15 teams in the last month they're gonna have a chance to rise and so like that's how I feel like this could be handled right because Alabama also plays a top 15 opponent to number 13 Auburn in the last stretch of the season and the other thing too is that Georgia is still ahead right and if they beat Georgia then this is this is not a conversation they're in and they should be so that's what was confusing to me is that I felt like with Oklahoma, they went into it very open-minded to the idea that, that that they did not have to do anything right now because Oklahoma could prove it later. Whereas with Alabama, they said, well, we got to say that they proved it now, even though they have opportunities to prove it later, which again, kind of goes back to the point that I was making that I feel like they're setting Alabama up to still be a contender for the four, regardless of whether they win or lose the game.
0: So here's the thing. So I, I do think, Oh, and there's more 2 lost Alabama questions we're going to get to. I want to run through this really quickly. I want to run through the top 10 teams in the rankings. And I want to have us decide, did that team's ranking matter or not? Because a lot of what is happening tonight is going to sort itself off on the field. And it, this is just a discussion, right? And so some of the things it's not worth getting that wound up about because we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out, right? So, Alabama at two, I I initially thought Alabama at two fit that. And now I actually think it doesn't fit that. But Georgia at one, does it matter? Of of course, Georgia was one, but like, You know, even if they were five, it's like, well, if you win the SEC, like they're like it, you know, it kind of doesn't matter where they were, but they're going to be number one.
1: The only reason that I think that it matters is that I think that uh, it guarantees them a spot regardless of what happens in the SEC title game. If they were four, I don't think uh, I don't think it matters. But uh, at the same time, I that's the only way that it matters.
0: One loss Georgia is still in no matter what. I think whether that loss happens in the regular season or happens in the SEC title game. All right. Bama at two. Does it matter? Officially, our, our opinion on this is it does or it doesn't? For me, it does,
1: because I do think that it can set up the idea that once they beat another top 15
0: team, that they still deserve to be in, regardless of having two losses. So Trey says if Bama gets in with two losses, it proves they really don't care about resume, just money. JJ says absolutely a two loss Bama is in. If they're solidly putting this version of Bama at two with no reservations, what are we talking about here? I like the idea of the committee, but Bama at two stinks. Bama at two, Carl says, Bama at two losing in a close game to Georgia would not be good for Ohio State. Um, It wouldn't be good for a lot of teams. They are at risk here, Shahan. the, The committee is at risk here because with everything that's happening with the SEC, with everything that's happened with the SEC, for the first, especially if they're in above any undefeated teams, for a two-loss team to get in, losing in its championship game, over an undefeated team that has a win over an 11-1 and Notre Dame team, for instance, it would threaten the sport. Is that too far? I think it would threaten the sport.
1: The issue is, I mean… who's going to stand up for the little guy, I guess, right? Like, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to not accept national championships? Are you going to not try to play for national championships? Like, I mean, UCF kind of had the ultimate act of defiance by just naming themselves national champions. And at the end of the day, it didn't really matter in terms of the broader uh, picture of the sport. Right. So like, I, I just don't see the most powerful people in the sport who really at the end of the day, make these decisions, Making that kind of decision, say it, but do you don't think fans would revolt? I mean,
0: whatever that would mean. What does that
1: look like? What does that look like? Right? Like, it, I think that a lot of people would be very upset, and then we'd go into next year, and it would happen again, and we'd keep coming back because we love college football.
0: I don't know. I think the committee also would be aware of that, and I like to say I think they put they try to really put in the teams they think are the best teams, but that would be stretching to prove their point of who the best teams are. Like we still really think this. And I think they might be hesitant to do it when it comes down to the moment because there's all, you can do whatever you think now. And then when it comes down to the only time it actually matters, are you willing to do it? And that is a different calculus. It always has been. You see that sometimes rankings change from the penultimate week to the last week and nothing really changed. But teams moved around. And why did it move around? It's because it got real. So I don't know for sure that even if Alabama was positioned for it to happen, because they can always have that excuse. And and in some ways, it's not an excuse. It's in the criteria, conference champions. They can say, well, when nobody was a conference champion, we thought this. But then Alabama didn't win its conference championship and Oregon did, and Oklahoma did, and Michigan State did, and Cincinnati did, and so Alabama's out. Like, Alabama's out. They have that justification in their back pocket whenever they want to use it. And if they don't feel like using it, they can just say, we, we were convinced Alabama was one of the four best teams. I think they would be a little scared to do it. It also would be the wrong thing to do, but I also think they would maybe fear the backlash because maybe it wouldn't change the sport and cause a revolution, but they get yelled at a lot on podcasts. <laughs> they get yelled at on this podcasts. I
1: mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Iowa fans have a lot to say to Gary Barter right now after seeing the second half of Iowa season, but I want to go back to one phrase that you said though. They want to put in the teams that they think are the best teams in college football. And I do believe that, right? Because I mean, I know that there's all this justification about sort of money and external interests and ESPN and all this sort of stuff, right? All this is there. And I do think that it's there, right? I mean, I don't think that that these people are impervious to the outside world, but I do think that they try their best to put in the teams that they think are the four best teams in America. The issue is, though, if you think that Alabama is one of the four best teams in America, what what can you do to prove that they're not, right? Like, You have to have a Clemson-like season, right? Like where they you have to go four and four before you can really kind of truly believe that Alabama's not very good. Because up until that point, you're just gonna kind of assume that Alabama's good. Right? I mean, I, I think that's one of the issues uh with this level of subjectivity, is that if you think that a team is good, there are a million ways to justify to yourself that a team is good even if their resume does not show. And that's why I've always tried to lean a little bit further on resume and lean a little bit more on being open-minded. Uh, and, and Because I think that when we come in with an idea that a team is good, it's really hard to prove that they're not good short of them, again, totally cratering.
0: I do think if Texas A&M loses a couple more games, that should hurt Alabama the way they talk. Because, will it? but, but if, I mean, if, what if Texas A&M seven and five, then that doesn't matter that they lost to our crappy team. They've already
1: erased the loss from Alabama's record. Like you talked about at the, at the top, right? This team is completely unimpacted. But by they also, to A&M. A&M.
0: they also have Texas A&M ranked 14th. If Texas A&M falls out of the rankings and their losses to an unranked team, I think it could affect them. Cause listen, like, again, this was preseason stuff. But they comp- and they should like and Indiana is not as good as Texas A and M, but you thought that might be a good win for Cincinnati. It's completely dismissed. like as it should be, but like that's not Cincinnati's fault. It wouldn't be Alabama's fault that Texas A and M stinks, but it should matter if they go by the stuff they go by. It should matter. All right, I don't want to spend the whole podcast on Alabama, even though this is an outrage that will tear apart the sport. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think Oregon at four is good, and here's why. We have seen in the past, and they didn't. He, Gary Barta mentioned it in passing, that Joe Moorhead was out for the Stanford game. This came up a lot the year that Clemson lost to Syracuse with Kelly Bryant at quarterback, and he was hurt that game. And they excused that loss in a lot of ways. They excused that loss in a lot of ways. I think Joe Moorhead, their play call, their play calling is so fundamental to what Oregon wants to do. It's the reason they beat out Ohio State. If you listed, list the five most important people to Oregon's win over Ohio State, Joe Moorhead's number one. I think so. I mean, I, I don't think I'm out on a limb here. Anthony Brown, the quarterback certainly had to make some plays. And CJ Verdell had 170 rushing yards, but they gashed Ohio State with some specific play designs that Ohio State did not adapt to. And Oregon went back to it again and again and again. So to be like, Oh, well, they lost to Stanford and Stanford stinks. They didn't have their offensive coordinator who is one of the five most important people on their team. That to me, you would, you should consider that like you would consider a quarterback injury. I don't think that's unreasonable. And they didn't exactly say that. But I think that's reasonable. I think the UCLA and Fresno State wins are better. Are, and he did say this. The UCLA and Fresno State wins for Oregon are very similar in their mind to the Penn State and Minnesota wins for Ohio State, which are Ohio State's two best wins. So a lot of stuff is pretty even, Ohio State, Oregon, and then Oregon beat Ohio State. So they did definitely crack the door for Ohio State to get past them, but that's why they did it now. I like Oregon pulling Ohio State up, more than Oregon pushing Ohio State down. Actually I should say it's Ohio State pushing Oregon up instead of Oregon pushing Ohio State down. That say Oklahoma would be ahead of both of them. Or I understand I understand I guess maybe Cincinnati now I would still have Cincinnati ahead of them. But that's what happened here. Ohio State if they think well Ohio State is probably playing so well they're better than Cincinnati but we better have Oregon up there too. That's what happened. I don't have any problem with Oregon at 4. And I, and I like the way they, they got to it, and there's room for it to change. arrogant is not guaranteed to stay ahead of Ohio State, but they should be there now, and they are.
1: So, so one thing that I'll say, I, I do not have an issue with uh, with sort of at least giving some context for the Stanford loss, but it wasn't a one week thing, right? I mean, they only beat UCLA by three points. They only beat Cal the week before with Jim Moorhead, by the way, by seven points. Uh, and you look at some of these metrics, like you mentioned. I mean, FPI Oregon is number twenty, Cincinnati's number seven, right? Like it, it's a pretty big gap when you look at uh, the the stat is like average win percentage, so basically like how much of the game do they control uh and have like a good chance to win. Oregon is uh, Oregon is ninth and Cincinnati six, right? So, you look at what they've done. I mean, yes, I, it has to be said. Oregon went on the road and beat Ohio State. That's something that matters. That's something that's significant. And you don't take away that win. But if you take away that win, I mean, Cincinnati and Oregon's cases are not that different, except for that one. Well, even actually, you include it. I mean, because you do have another top ten win against Notre Dame to kind of compare. Like these are not extremely different cases and Oregon has the loss to Stanford and the close performance against Cal, who's not that much better than some of the teams that we talk about uh, Cincinnati playing with their food, right? Like, I mean, this is a one win Cal team right now, unless they won last week, which I don't know, but like, this is a season long trend of struggling. This is not one week. This is not, Oh, against Stanford, something completely out of the ordinary happened. This is something that's happened the past couple of weeks. Uh And, and so I'm just not willing to,
0: Overlook that, especially when you're comparing them to Cincinnati. I get it. You did not have Oregon out of head of Ohio State in your own personal rankings, but you're okay with Oregon being ahead of Ohio State, totally, totally. But you you just would think that Cincinnati should be ahead of both of them.
1: If this was Oregon five, Ohio State six, Cincinnati four, I'd have a much smaller issue with it. But I think that that's the part of it that's egregious to me. Okay,
0: I, I I buy that. I buy that. Um. I want to get back to Bama a little bit because we have a good good question here. It's from our guy Chuck. Full disclosure: Who's a Bama fan? This is interesting. This is why we want to have even more tech subscribers who are fans of different teams because we want to be able to talk about the big picture with people who are coming at it from different views. Chuck says I'm a Bama fan, but I try to stay objective as possible. He's saying that they also flat out that Alabama flat out dismantled the Mississippi State team that beat Texas A and M. That might have something to do with it. I also wonder how much they think about the fact that one and two seem to be on a collision course, and it might not matter. He said the best thought of the night was by Kirk Herbstreit. This is a process designed for the end of the year, which I do think is worth keeping in mind. It is designed to take everything into account when everything's over. We know why they do it. I'm glad they do it. Right? I'm, I'm glad it's good for the sport, even if it drives people crazy. I don't know if they're taking the SEC championship game into account, but. There was – there just was a lot of talk tonight, Shahan. And you just did the same kind of talk of you won, but you look like crap. You won, but you kick somebody's butt. And I don't – that happens all the time. That's part of that game control metric that was a a thing they talked about a ton the first couple years. And then they said, well, it's not really a metric. It's kind of just the vibe of the thing. But they really do ding you for almost losing. They do. But they also sort of subjectively forget – that Alabama almost lost to Florida. Like they ding you when they're in the mood to ding you, or they ding you when it happens again and again and again. I think the metric argument is the best argument for Alabama, and I don't think Gary has said that very much. Like he didn't say, hey, all these metrics have Alabama in the top three. Two, three, three, two, 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 two. That's what I would have said. Should dismantling teams matter? All right, they, they blew out Mississippi State and Mississippi State 17th that matters extra I think it
1: can but like I think that this just gets back to the point that I think that Mississippi state probably shouldn't be as ranked as high as it is right like I think that's sort of where we we run into issues and the other thing too is that I I mean I do think that beating a team comfortably versus not comfortably matters I but I don't like to go into it and be like well you only beat a team by this much versus this much right like they Alabama beat Mississippi state by 40. Cool. I mean, it would have made very little difference to me if they had beaten them by 20 versus 40. I I don't think that per se running up the score to me means that much, right? Like, I I just don't think it does. If you are in control of that game, if it's a comfortable win, if you win it easily, which to me, like Cincinnati did against Tulane. I, and a lot of this conversation is going to come back to Cincinnati. I don't want to keep coming back to Cincinnati, but, uh, but you know, that's, that's what matters to me. If it's a close win, versus a big win. Those are the only two things that matter to me. So like yes, it matters, but it only matters so much.
0: Yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. There's a there's a threshold to the blowout, right? You don't get bonus points for winning by 80. I will say one of the things that I have a tough time with and this is the thing with metrics you have to keep in mind. You can cite metrics and then sometimes it shows you some things and it's like, "Well, I don't know if I agree with that." All those metrics that I cited, those five things that I tried to combine into a ranking they had Michigan third. Yeah. Georgia one, Bama two, Michigan third. N- nobody thinks Michigan should be third. Like they have Michigan ahead of Michigan State, right? So it's like, well, okay, metrics, like I respect you, but what are we talking about here, right? Like, did you watch? Like, the, so uh, that's where it gets hard for me that if you say, hey, well, Bama is one of the metrics games, like, oh, cool. You mean the same metrics that have Michigan third? Because they don't have Michigan third. So they have Bama second, but the, the, the committee, has Michigan 7th. Although, frankly, 7th was actually higher than I thought Michigan would be.
1: Yeah. No, and, and I didn't have a huge issue with Michigan being 7th. I mean, they lost really close against Michigan State. But I think to me, uh, you know, to point to one particular metric, right? Like, the thing that's going to come up over and over and over and over again, especially when talking about Cincinnati, is going to be strength of schedule. And it matters, right? Like, it matters that you play a lot of good teams. Um, the thing to me that I think that we go sometimes a little far with it is I don't want to make a decision about who deserves to be in the playoff over like who the eighth to 10th best teams on your schedule are. You know what I mean? Like if if it is just, if Bama's playing four top 10 teams and Cincinnati's playing one and then a bunch of teams outside of the top 50, okay. You know, we can have the conversation, but like, if it's just like, okay, well. Cincinnati's teams that they're beating are in the 60 to 80 range and the teams that Bama's beating are in the 40 to 60 range. Like both those teams should win all those games, you know, like it's substantially better of course, but like at what point is it actually something that matters? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I understand like, if Cincinnati, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to get to play another ranked team because SMU and Houston are amazingly outside of the top 25 in favor of Wisconsin and Minnesota, but, uh, you know, they might not get to play another top 25 team on their schedule, but you know, it's like SMU and Houston are good football teams that I think, you know, most teams would be able to beat that are in this top 10 group, but like that are very comparable to other sort of middle to upper middle tier power five teams. And I just think that sometimes we get a little crazy with it. Cause it's like, Oh, well they played, east carolina so they should be almost dinged for that when we saw them play with one of the best teams in the country and go on the road and beat them by two
0: scores yeah alabama has wins over four and four miami four and four florida and four and four tennessee and cincinnati would beat all those teams so like what 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 is like ucf's five and three or whatever and cincinnati beat them it's like what's the you know they they really got again the two lane thing really bugged them (laughs) um chuck chuck also the alabama guy says i think part of the alabama ranking is that the loss to Texas A&M was on the road in a close game, and the Aggies have been on fire since that game, and plus it's Alabama. They've been built up with the committee. Uh, Dustin says, can I just say that I don't get why Bama's two, unless you're factoring in the past and not just the season. I would be fine with them over Ohio State, but ahead of Cincinnati. Cincinnati hasn't lost and has a better win than Bama. That's the thing. I, that Notre Dame win, I can't believe. Yeah, I can't believe it didn't matter more.
1: The, the thing I will say real quick about Alabama or about Texas A&M, Uh, looking awesome in their next two games is that they played Missouri and South Carolina. So uh, let's just, let's just tap the brakes on that one.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. Eric does say, how is five and three Mississippi state ranked 17th? Is that purely, that's purely like some Bama justification, right? There's nothing else. You were on it from the start. There's nothing more than that to that.
1: I mean, I I just can't imagine that the committee went into the room and was like, we're going to break down the intricacies of the Mississippi State LSU loss, right? Like, it just didn't happen, right? I mean, it, it didn't. And so it, for for the committee to, to look at this and kind of, and they beat Kentucky, who I think is a fine and decent team this past week. Uh They do have a win over Texas A&M, and we kind of talk about with Texas A&M that they're kind of also propped up a little bit for beating them. Like, it's, it's just very circular. That, that's what it comes down to, right? I mean, it, this would not be the case if uh, if one of Mississippi State's losses weren't to Alabama. Like, I, I just don't think it would. And they have not looked in their other games like they are a truly top 25 quality team. They only beat Louisiana Tech by one point. Again, they lost to Memphis. They lost to LSU. I just, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I wish I had better words to explain this, but I just don't know what other team other than a team that lost to Bama, would get this kind
0: of respect. I wish we did. Someone in one of the reviews said that we should add a third person to the show from an SEC perspective, and that would not be a bad idea. At a time like this to have somebody – and not that they would necessarily disagree with us because you can cover Alabama or cover the SEC and think that Alabama wouldn't be number two. But but I do think just from that viewpoint of the world, I would be curious. We might have to grab, try to grab somebody and have them be uh, on the show at some point from the SEC Lonnie says the committee provided ranking to justify the inclusion of two lost Bama and to exclude Cincinnati. It's BS. Scott says for better or for worse. And I would argue that it's the better, better. The committee is not populated by robots. Precedent matters. Alabama had rightfully earned the benefit of the doubt. And Cincinnati has earned cynicism after watching Ohio state blank them 42 nothing a couple years ago. Um, I don't know. I don't agree with, with that. Um, I, I hope they can shake I hope the committee can shake – they say they do. Nothing else in the past matters. And so I'm not going to pretend that's entirely true, but I hope people aren't consciously thinking of it. I get it. Subconsciously, they're Bama. It's the greatest coach in college football history. I hope they're not consciously thinking that. Let's run through these real quick because we can't do a whole Bama show. So Bama, we do think it matters that they're two. Michigan State is three. Does that matter? Not especially. No, I don't think it matters either. Oregon, four. I think it matters a little bit because I think it shows that if Oregon runs the table, it's probably in. I think so. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because I think in a world like if Oregon was like seven, it'd be like, oh, man, they're dinging them extra hard for some of these close games. But they don't have great opponents left. But if they finish 11-1 and with the Ohio State win, I think they're in. Ohio State five doesn't matter.
1: Not really, because again, I think that they're just going to be at this moment until they play the bulk of the Big Ten. They're going to just kind of be attached to Oregon.
0: Yeah, and I don't think I don't think anything much in the Big Ten matters because the, the one last Big Ten champ is in. So they have Michigan State's third, Ohio State's fifth, Michigan seventh. Ohio State still has to play both those teams, so that it's going to shake itself out. And if they all sort of split and we get a whole mess, then we'll deal with that later. But if so you know if michigan state beats ohio state and then rolls then like it's they absorb all the stuff the big 10 champ is going to be in oklahoma 8 good on the committee i don't think it matters that much because of what they had to have them have ahead of them
1: no this is like the classic uh parent going and wagging their finger at their child and being like you better you better not stop doing that or you're going to be in big trouble but like it doesn't actually matter
0: okay So let's take one quick break, last one, and then we'll come back and reveal our shadow rankings, how different we were from the actual committee, a couple more questions, and then we'll kick somebody out of our playoff discussion next on the College Football Playoff Show. The College Football Playoff Show, where the playoff never ends. All right, so if you knock Bama down, we're in range. Well, actually, not really. Yeah, kind of. All right, Georgia was number one. We agreed on that. Bama's number two. The shadow committee had Bama seventh. As we said, you and I each had Alabama seventh and uh, the Texters had them third. Michigan State actually third. Our committee had them second. So I was curious sort of about Michigan State and Cincinnati because they're a little bit similar. Again, like Cincinnati struggled with, or excuse me, Michigan State struggled with Indiana. Cincinnati beat Indiana more convincingly, right? So there's some head to head there. I, I think you could argue they're both undefeated. What's the better win? Michigan or Notre Dame, they're pretty close. Uh, I I th- almost think you could argue since that ahead of Michigan State, but I'm not mad that Michigan State's higher, but we were pretty close on that. Our committee. They're, had they're clearly State
1: clearly in the same tier to me, right? Like I think that like you mentioned, very comparable cases, haven't played too much a note until this point, one gigantic win, and have looked pretty good for the most part. So I, I think that they should be next to each other and I have no issue
0: with them one or the other. But honestly, again, I could bring that up to Gary Bart. It's like, all right, well, you're saying who else did Cincinnati beat? And you're talking about all these teams they barely beat. Who else did Michigan State beat? And they almost lost to Nebraska. They almost lost to Indiana, right? Again, like 4-4 and Miami, that's impressing people. Somehow 4-4 and Miami is floating both Bama and Michigan State because they lost to both of them. Miami's a fraud. Oregon is fourth. Our shadow committee had Oregon sixth. Ohio State is fifth. Our shadow committee had Ohio State fifth. So our committee had Ohio State ahead of Oregon. That was you and the Texers. It wasn't me. Cincinnati is sixth. Our shadow committee had Cincinnati third. So how do you feel about the fact that our committee gave Cincinnati much more respect?
1: Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think that certainly the respect that they've gotten in the AP Top 25 is somewhat telling right like they deserve respect and similar sort of deal I have no issue whatsoever with Michigan State jumping up into that tier because I think of their case are very similar but but uh showing that you can go on the road and beat really good teams to me that that says something and I'm glad that uh that
0: our texters also agree Cincinnati you and I both had Cincinnati second in our rankings and the Texters had Cincinnati fifth. So that combined to make Cincinnati third Michigan seventh in the overall ranking shadow committee had them 10th. I was a little surprised. Michigan was that high Oklahoma, but they, they ranked three loss Wisconsin, which is a good win for Michigan now because somehow three loss Wisconsin's in the rankings. Uh, By by
1: the way, uh, when we say that, that three loss Wisconsin's in the rankings uh, and we talk about head to head at the same time, uh, Hey, that's weird. Penn State has a head-to-head win and is also a three-loss team against Wisconsin unranked. I don't know. It yeah.
0: makes sense, I'm sure. But Wisconsin is propping up both Michigan and Notre Dame because Wisconsin is like the best win for both of them. So they, you know, they don't need to prop up anybody with Penn State. They need to prop teams up with Wisconsin. That's why Wisconsin's in. Oklahoma is actually eighth. Our committee had them fourth. And I think that is just being unwilling to, to go as far as the committee did and being surprised by it. Because I think Oklahoma is not that good. I still had Oklahoma sixth, and I thought that was low. You had Oklahoma fourth. The Texters had Oklahoma fourth, right? So we have Oklahoma fourth overall. They're eighth. Why did you have Oklahoma fourth if you kind of liked that they're eighth? Um,
1: I mean, I think right now – I'm almost trying to approach this almost like – it's the end of the season, right? Like I'm trying to approach this like it's my final rankings. I I think that the committee kind of likes that they can send a message per se. Not that that's what they're trying to do. We can't get into their head, but I do think in practice, that's what it's doing. I don't especially feel the need to do it. If the season ended today, I think that Oklahoma should be in the top four, but certainly don't feel good about it. And I like the fact that they have to prove it in the next month.
0: And then the end of the rankings, Wake Forest is actually ninth. We had them eight. Notre Dame is actually 10th. We had them eleven. Oklahoma State is actually 11th. We had them 9th. So they're much further down. The big thing is, again, Bama's 2nd. We had them 7th. Cincinnati 6th. We had them 3rd. I like our rankings better, but that's no surprise because, you know, we're the college football playoff show. I think we're the best. Um, Ross from Tampa says, why do you think they rank Bama 2? Is it conference bias? Do you think there's SEC bias? Because, it, like – Sometimes I think it's just Bama bias, but then when Mississippi State, this circular logic, I think it feeds it. It certainly feeds the claim of it when you see Mississippi State with three losses ranked 17th. And like, oh, well, they beat Kentucky. It's like, well, who says Kentucky's good? Right, right. I don't think, first of all, that there's
1: any sort of like explicit bias, right? Like I don't think that anybody goes into the room and thinks that they're going to, you know, post these SC teams, whatever. I do think that a lot of it is Bama bias. I I do think that I'm very curious to see, and it'll be different because Texas and Oklahoma will also be part of the SC, but I'm very curious to see a post Nick Saban, Alabama and how they're treated by a group like the committee, because they have a lot of, implicit credibility like we've talked about and they deserve it they're a really good team I think another thing that plays a big part in this and again this is more of an implicit thing than an explicit is I think we've talked about before recruiting rankings play a big part right like when you see a team being a top 5 recruiting type team you just assume that they must be pretty good right like you see Texas A&M recruiting at a top 5 top 10 level oh well that must be a really good team and most of the time that's true and the SEC has far and away more good recruiting teams than any other conference right Michigan does not recruit like most of the SEC Michigan State obviously does not recruit like most of the SEC and so I think that there is a level of thinking well they could get any players that they wanted they pull players from the most talented parts of the country so they must be good so I think that there's a little bit of that so so I think it's mostly Bama bias and teams that play Bama but I definitely will be curious when the day comes which you know 30 years from now when Nick Saban finally retires to see kind of how things get treated after that.
0: I will say one of the other things, I was just curious about certain teams, how they'd be ranked against each other. I asked the Texters to predict, not what they would do, but what they thought the committee would do. Predict Oregon, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, what order they would be in. The Texters predicted Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Oregon, Ohio State. And it was actually Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma. So they thought Oklahoma would be the top of those four teams. Oklahoma was at the bottom. They thought Oregon would be third. Oregon was first. So like that was how confused people were about what this committee was going to do. We'll do this last question from Chris before we kick somebody out of this playoff discussion. And I do think it's a good question, and we can run through it very quickly. Chris has been asking a lot of good questions. Has your opinion changed on what teams control their own destiny based on these rankings? So let's just run through the top teams in the rankings and say, does the team control its own destiny or not? Which just means win all your games and you're in. Georgia, control its own destiny. Yes. Bama, control its own destiny. Yes. Michigan State. Yes. Yes.
1: Oregon. That's one that I would say changed for me. I thought that they might not, but it seems like they will.
0: I think like 95%. I mean, that win over Ohio State is quite a hammer. So I'll say yes, but it's a softer yes than some of the others. Ohio State. Yes. Cincinnati. No. No. Michigan. Yes. Oklahoma. Yes. Wake Forest. No. So now we're into all no's. Notre Dame, no. Oklahoma State. It's interesting. Like, if they run the table, they're the one-loss Big 12 champ, and they've beaten Oklahoma twice. They are closer to controlling their own destiny than Notre Dame or Wake Forest are. They might be closer to controlling their own destiny than Cincinnati. It's pretty close.
1: I do think that they might – be just on the outside kind of because of that like implicit credibility thing with Oklahoma. So maybe if you beat Oklahoma twice, like maybe Oklahoma falls to number 22 and it doesn't look like quite a good win at that point. But the flip side is you do also have a win over Baylor and Baylor's number 12 right now. And they could potentially finish even if they lose to Oklahoma as like a top 15 team. So there's going to be opportunities. Uh, I I do agree. They're probably around the Cincinnati boat of, uh, of controlling their own destiny because they still can go 12 and one and win the big 12.
0: I will say in the end, we have seven teams that definitely control their own destiny. And that actually can't quite be true because if Bama beats Georgia and we're saying Bama controls its own destiny, if it wins out, they're in. And we know George is in if they lose to Alabama in the SEC title game. Then you have the Big Ten champ, Oregon and Oklahoma, that we all say control their own destiny, but those three teams would be left fighting for two spots. True, true. So, But I still am okay saying it because I think you control your own destiny like in a realistic kind of view, that not all the stuff that possibly could happen perfectly is going to happen. All right, let's kick somebody out. The choices are the teams that lost last week to to suffer their second loss. 6 and 2 Iowa, 6 and 2 Old Miss. Iowa lost to Wisconsin, got rolled. Old Miss lost to Auburn, Lane Kiffin looks sad. Shahan, who do you think we should kick out?
1: Since beating Penn State Iowa has been outscored 51 to 14 in its last two games against Purdue and Wisconsin, which by the way, Purdue got into the top twenty-five after beating Iowa, which is hilarious. But uh yeah, it's
0: Iowa. Purdue also cited in Minnesota's super hot four-game <laughs> win streak, they beat Purdue. Without
1: their running backs, man. Without
0: yeah. their running backs. Like that, like, but their running backs aren't coming back. Like that's credit. It's not like they, well, they lost these guys, but they're gonna come. It's like they lost their best players. That's why we ranked them. That's not a good thing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been wanting to kick out Iowa. I can't believe they're still in it. Uh, I'm definitely Iowa. The texters, definitely Iowa. 80% say Iowa is out. 20% said Old Miss. But Old Miss, you're on the clock for next week, baby, because we kick somebody out every week. All right, Iowa's out. That gets us down to 12. We have our group of 12 that we talk about, and we now have the rankings to go by. There was a lot of shouting. If you just are joining us for the first time there's more shouting than usual. I mean I shout, but that was more more than normal, right? <laughs> You got us right off of the committee
1: ranking, guys. You, you got us right off the conference call and not getting called on to, which, you know, so that gets our blood pressure up. You got the, the pure uncut Doug and Shahan on this podcast, I think. And guess what? You're going to get it the next, uh, the next month or so as we continue
0: to do this. I'm telling you, the pure uncut stuff, you've got to be careful, man. I don't know. An hour and three minutes of the pure uncut stuff. Watch yourself. Thanks everybody who joining, uh, who joined us for the first time. We're so grateful you did it. We like talking about this. We talked a lot of football on the Tuesday show. So if you're in the mood, we would invite you to – if you can get to Apple Podcasts, find the college football playoff show there. You can subscribe. It's easy to do it on your phone. It's $2.99 a month. You get all the Tuesday episodes for a month, 75 cents a show. Like, I don't know. We think it's worth it. So if you'd like to join us there, we'd love to have you. But if you joined us now for the first time, for the 20th time, whatever it is, so grateful – to be part of your college football week. We think our discussions here about the playoff rankings will be as good as any playoff discussion rankings that you will find, playoff rankings discussions that you will find. So we hope that you're back. We hope to hear you back um, next week. And if you want to be a tech subscriber, just send a text to 817-442-6789. You can be part of the shadow committee. You can ask questions as soon as the rankings come out, and hot and fresh we'll get to them. Thanks to you guys again for listening. For Shahan J. Haraja of CBS Sports, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was the College Football Playoff Show. The College Football Playoff Show, where the playoff never ends. All right, Penn State fans, thanks for hanging in this long and giving that show a shot. You can subscribe to the College Football Playoff Show wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And if there's anybody listening from Palmyra, Pennsylvania, that's where I'm from. Go Cougars. Thanks, you guys, for giving this playoff show a shot.